What's happening, Browns fans? Welcome into a Victory Monday podcast. In case you forgot, this is your host, Jake Burns. Your date is Monday, September 12th, and your Cleveland Browns are 1-0. They're 1-0 for the first time since 2004. Reminder, I think it was 2018. They didn't lose, technically, but they tied the Steelers. So, um, yeah, listen, this is a, a celebratory thing. Your Cleveland Browns have won a, a season opener. We'll see if they can run it, run it back and win their home opener for the first time in a while. But they won their season opener for the first time since 2004. Think where you were in 2004 and how long ago that is. They got it done. It was not the cleanest path to success. It was not a road filled with perfect football. But they got a win on the road, and I thought they did so in a fashion that was, for the most part, a dominating performance. A couple hiccups that we will discuss in this podcast made this game far closer than it should have been by any stretch. But nonetheless, this is a positive show, a Victory Monday show. Perhaps you're wearing your Victory Monday shirt. Perhaps you're wearing, sorry, perhaps you're drinking out of your Victory Monday mug. I hope you are, and I hope you're enjoying it because this doesn't come along often enough, and after a stressful, stressful offseason, I think we all deserve to have some feel-good vibes after a win that your favorite football team was able to achieve. So, we're going to talk about so many things today around this game. A simple reminder, I'm going to bring in my guest, Corey Kinnon, here in just a little bit. OBR colleague of mine does a great job on film room content, uh, college scouting, uh, mock drafts, all of that. You should be following Corey if you're not, rectify that. But we are going to talk with Corey in just a minute about so many different things about this game. But for schedule's sake, if you don't remember how these podcasts go from last year, we do this one without having consumed the All-22. So we're giving very much first-watch opinions. I've rewatched portions of the game as I'm recording this at about 10 o'clock here on Sunday night. Uh, I've rewatched portions of it, but I have not really consumed it, broken it down, and given a lot of detailed analysis into certain performances from individual players. Broad scope, we'll cover that. We'll talk about our feelings about what we saw, how we think it shook out, and all of that. But the deep dive happens on your comprehensive film breakdown uh, show, which is going to be a defense-offense combination you will get on uh, Tuesday throughout the football season. Now it's going to move if they have primetime games and different things like that. But that's your general schedule for this year, just to keep you informed on that. Reminder, if you missed the game um, uh, on playback, it was fantastic, a lot of fun, a lot of good banter and some good moments, especially that final kick, right? So... Uh, that was great. You can watch playback on Thursday night football, Monday night football, Sunday night football, and every single Browns game. It's just it's just uh, playback.theobr.com. Uh, so check that out. It's always available for you. Just, uh, just have to link your TV provider. And then plenty of good things coming up at the OBR this week. We're going to have a Monday Rewind show. Corey's going to put up his four downs. I'm going to write up some pass coverage blunders that the Browns did. I know Jack Duffin has some things coming. We get our analytics review a ton of things happening. So it's a good start to the week. We're finally in regular season mode. You can expect certain content from the OBR staff. You can expect certain things from this podcast. I'll keep enlightening you on all of those things as they happen, but I'm happy you're here. I'm happy you're listening. We're going to reel Corey into this show in just a second before we dig into the guts of this episode on your victory Monday, a quick break for a word from our sponsors here at blue wire. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back. I'm back. I'm reeling in Corey Cannon. Corey, welcome to the show, man. Happy to have you here. Let's talk about this win, man. A little, a little relief in terms of you and I were the the ones live at the playback show. I I got out in front of myself a little bit because out of the corner of my eye, I saw it was good and I couldn't help it. But pretty cool to see the Browns make an important kick that matters in a meaningful game, right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm writing this article for tomorrow and I looked back through the, all the Browns kickers and I was like, oh, Billy Cundiff, Zane Gonzalez, <laughs> Garrett Hartley, Billy Cundiff again, uh, Greg Joseph, all of these dudes, Cody Parkey. And it's like, that's a nauseating list. And so to have a feeling like, oh, that, that, that list might be a little concluded for a while is it's like a, a relaxing fielding. And, and you know, there, there, there's probably worse ways to start your career than four for free. Four for four on field goal, including a 58-yard game winner. So, yeah, well, they, they've uh, been searching for one with talent, <laughs> right? And they found one with talent. That's part of the struggle. It's not just, you know, everybody talks, Corey, about this mental. We'll dig into Cade York right now because it's the most important thing to talk about. Everyone talks about this. Well, you know, you got to have this mental thing. Yeah, I agree. You got to be able to handle this, the the setbacks of being a kicker and the 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 ups and downs of of that job. But you got to be talented too. Having a leg like his. And again, he made that from 58 to win the game. And I'm watching it again, mm-hmm. Corey. That thing's good from 68. He crushed it. He crushed it. It was a perfect little draw. If you're a nice golf player, you know, you, you, your swing, he's got a nice little draw to that thing. He works right to left on that kick. It was, it was a thing of beauty. I mean, it really was. And he's got the talent. The mental side seems fine. I think it's, you know, you never want to put too much out in front of the, the situation here. It's one game. But, boy, you should be excited about having a real kicker, especially in this division where we've watched so many kickers be so good for so long, including the weird Pittsburgh game where Boswell makes a, a walk-off kick in the last minute to, to win that one. We know how good Justin Tucker is, and we watched Evan McPherson do some ridiculous stuff as a rookie, so it's pretty cool to to be in this situation, right, where you, you at least feel good about that. The punter, too. We should mention Bohorka was, was good. Yeah, so <laughs> Jamie Gillen, you know, love him to yeah. death for whatever reason. People love him. He, he drinks beer and it looks like Thor. Uh but that dude's not an NFL punter. And it's just good to have a guy that like, oh, we need to flip the field here. Borquez pinned that one deep. The first, His first punt, he boomed it and, and put it within like, what, the five-yard line? Seven-yard mm-hmm. line, something like that? And then that last one, I, I, I mean, it was a high-leverage situation, so I'm pretty sure they, they probably just told him, boot it, you know, get it out of there. But but he boomed it into the end zone. And, you know, starting at the 20 is not the worst thing in the world. At least flips the field a little bit. So, I mean, sure, you, you could hope for a little bit better out of that. But, yeah, like spe- – you, you put on the sideline. Yeah, yeah, he sure did. So one thing you could really tell is is probably there was a conversation with Mike Prefer where 
Stefanski probably had to sit him down and say, listen, man, we're running out of straws to draw. And Mike Cooper said, well, go get me my guys then. And yeah. so we got a new punter, you got a new kicker, and you you had a new returner who, unfortunately, you know, would have been nice to have today. But uh, sure. I, I would assume something like that probably happened. You know, Stefanski and Prefer are close, but at the end of the day, Stefanski's probably like, man, I, I, I'm grasping at nothing. Like, what do you got? Yeah. So, yep. It's nice to have a guy, though. Nice to have a guy. It is. Both of them are talented. Both of them have strong legs. I think you're right. Bajorquez, uh, just in that situation, they didn't want to get it blocked. I think it was, what, 23-21 at that point? So mm-hmm. you just want to get it kicked uh, kicked away and, and, and live to fight. And that's something people forget, too, is a punt to the end zone is only out to the 20. It's not a kickoff. It's not out to the 25. So you forget people forget about that little five-yard difference there uh, because, you know, touchbacks used to be in the end zone for kickoffs. used to be to the 20, but they incentivized taking a knee. It seems like some teams have not figured that out. Also, Cade York, pretty consistently great kickoffs, usually kicking them well deep into the back of the end zone. Some of them have landed in the stands behind the field. So, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's good at that too. And they covered pretty well today. So I was fine from a special teams perspective. It was strong. They were the better special teams team there. I mean, uh, uh, at least I think, well, we could, we should talk about the last little part of that, which is Demetri Felton. You, you mentioned, you just referenced the situation uh, for, uh, you know, the Jakeem Grant and they wanted his guys. I think that's a great point about Prefer being like, Hey man, we've neglected my stuff here a little too long. I can't, can't make something that go that's not here. Right. And I think Prefer's still far from perfect. They had that illegal formation on a kickoff. Like they're far from perfect, but for the most part, he's got talent there and they had talent with Jakeem. And I think he would have been a nice fit as a return guy in both phases. I just felt makes me nervous, man. I think kickoff stuff with mm-hmm. Ford and, and, and the like is fine. But I mean, I, at least, I at least think you have to consider it Corey. you have to consider a guy who you at least consistently know is going to catch a football. DPJ is not going to be back there. I don't want him back there. Can you pick up somebody? Can you pick up somebody, find somebody that can just catch it and consistently get a couple yards here and there? I mean, for the day, the he had a he had a muffed punt uh, and and early in the I think the first one and no so, sorry about that the first one he like dove forward to catch it was mm-hmm. extremely first bizarre two, yeah yeah extremely Ugh. bizarre and then and then he fumbles one working to his right trying to catch that one he was fine after that but like. That was pretty tempered weather. I'm trying to think the right word to say. It wasn't crazy. And you're going to get really weird wins up in Cleveland. And he struggled with those weird wins last year in First Energy Stadium. So I just think you got to fix it. It's nothing against Felton. He's just not not built for it. And I I don't know how much more we need to see of that. But he's not built for it. So that's a wrap on specials. We got out in front of those early. We should talk about the offense. Then we'll switch over to talk about uh, how the Browns defended Baker Mayfield, so on and so forth. Let's do real quick Corey's stats. So... In this one, team stats I like to cover first. The Browns dominated almost every category. And this is something that you should feel really optimistic about because this is how we've talked about how they have to win. 23 first downs for Cleveland to 15 for Carolina. This is a nice number too, Corey. 8 of 18 on third downs. That's strong for this group. Um, Carolina 4 of 11 on third downs. So they got off the field. The net yardage, 355 to Cleveland, 261 for Carolina. Offensive play, 74 to 50 for Cleveland. Yet almost a similar average gain per play 4.8 to 5.2 Cleveland runs for 217 yards including 141 from Nick on 22 carries 46 from Kareem and Nick listen Nick made a bunch of rush yards over expected runs I can't wait to see that data he made some plays happen where people were around him in the backfield where it shouldn't have resulted in what it resulted in uh Kareem goes 11 for 46 Schwartz two for 20 Brissett ran four times on little scrambles and got 10 yards so that's your 217 they only threw for 138 Jacoby was 18 of 34 for 147 a touchdown again your total passing yards any sack numbers those get taken out so um he only throws for one they throw for 138 as a team 
The penalties are still a problem. We'll talk about that later. Nine penalties for 71 yards for Cleveland, eight for 96 for Carolina. But the Browns didn't turn it over. Carolina threw one interception. Four punts for Cleveland, five for Carolina. Two touchdowns for Cleveland, three for Carolina. But Cleveland went four for four on field goals to one for Carolina. And the time of possession, 38-26 to 21-34. I mean, those are all things you love to see. Uh, to the wide receiver stuff here, uh, Peoples-Jones had 11 targets, six catches, 60 yards. Kareem Hunt, four for 24 and a touchdown on that little goal line fullback uh, slide to the flat. Anthony Schwartz had a huge catch for 19 yards late in the game. Harrison Bryant, two for 18. Probably should have hauled in a third one there uh, in that late uh, third down. I think it was a third quarter third down. And then Amari Cooper had six targets, three catches, 17 yards, and he had many great efforts that just the ball didn't get to him. He had a touchdown uh, beating coverage, uh, but the ball was kind of lobbed off Jacoby's back foot uh, there where they drew that DPI down to the one-yard line, so that would have been about 40 yards for him in a touchdown. So the, the numbers don't show you uh, from a fantasy perspective anything great, but he was good. He was really good. And Joku, again, one target, seven yards. Got to get him more involved. They've got to get him more involved. Nick had one catch for two yards on a on a screen. A defensively uh, leading tacklers, John Johnson had seven. Martin Emerson, JOK had five. Miles Garrett, four, including two sacks. John Johnson also split a sack with uh, Jadavian Clowney. Uh, and then also another sack for Tommy, a half sack for Tommy Togiai. I don't know who Togiai split that with because I'm seeing just a random half sack sitting up here. That's got to get corrected at some point. That's pretty strange. Looks like Clowney and Togiai split a sack and John Johnson should be labeled as having a sack, but they only gave him a half on the NFL stats media page. It's weird. Anyway, that's kind of it. Grant Delpit had a pick, but it didn't get any yards out of it. Otherwise, um, looks like Herb Miller, they labeled as, um, I don't know what they labeled that as. We're not going to worry about that. Miles Garrett forced a fumble, but didn't recover it. On the other side, Baker Mayfield accredited with four fumbles, which he recovered all of them. Two dropped under center snaps. So, you know, that's uh, that's that's just the continuation of the Browns' unfortunate fumble luck, That especially when one of those broke off. McCaffrey had a, a long run of like 28 yards on the day, but that what, the ball was like dropped. It was dropped and on the ground. He just picked it up. It was really weird. Um, McCaffrey goes 10 rushes, 33 yards, a touchdown. Really nobody else to talk about. They gave Foreman two carries for five. Chuba Hubbard had one for three. Mayfield had five runs for six. He did have that touchdown run, which we'll talk about. Mayfield 16 for 27, 235, a touchdown and interception. Robbie Anderson, five for 102, largely because of a 75-yard touchdown. Coverage bust we'll get to. Ian Thomas, two for 53, again, largely because of a coverage bust. He had a 50-yard gain on one of those catches. DJ Moore, they kept wrangled until that very last drive. He caught a 26-yard ball. He ended up with three for 43. McCaffrey, four for 24. Shai Smith had one catch for 12 yards. Their defense, Xavier Woods, had 10 tackles. Brian Burns, who I thought on first watch, played really well. Jeremy Chen, too. Both those young guys I like for them. Uh, but that's that's really it. Uh, I thought J.C. Horn was pretty inconsistent, their young corner. Uh, was beat several times. That's kind of the rundown of stats. We'll, we'll dig into the defense first, Corey. Let's do that, and then we'll get to offense. So if we look at this thing broken down by half, so if you look at the summaries um, at half, you can get an idea of how dominant the Browns were at that point. Uh, Mayfield was 10 of 19 for 101, and, and, and it was even uglier until they had put together that decent little drive where he ends up, I think he ended up running that one in uh, for a touchdown, or maybe that wasn't the run in for a touchdown. I can't remember. Oh, that's the long throw for 50. So if he doesn't get that 50 yard throw right before half, it's even uglier, you know, that coverage bust. The Browns should have called a timeout. We're again, we'll dig, we'll dig into those individually in just a moment, but 
yeah, I mean, the Browns are dominating this game at half, doubling up, uh, doubling up yards, doubling up first downs. It's 17, seven at half. So that is all really encouraging. Uh, I just kind of wanted to look at splits like, okay, so we'll dig into Baker. I'm just going to say he's going to, I think he should, he'll grade poorly. I think he's going to grade poorly. And I think that'll be fitting. He was bad. He had four passes knocked down in this game. I think last I checked, it was four. He was inaccurate in early portions of the game. He blatantly misses that uh, sort of deep, uh, deep over route from DJ Moore is like a late thrown slant. It might've been a, a four step slant or five step slant where they, they, the Browns bring a nickel pressure and they get him right behind the, you see it on all 22. It's, it's a, it's egregiously wide open. It's, it's just a slant uh, that gets behind the hook defender and he just airmails it behind him and Delpit gets the interception. He was rough. And if you listen, I'm not doing that. If you take out all the good, this guy sucked. I get that theory, but I always look at quarterback play differently. How many difficult plays did you have to make? And he didn't have to make very many. He didn't make them. He, he completed a 50 yard throw up the left hash. The, the Panthers come out in two by two, and I'm going to shut up and give you a chance to rattle off on Mayfield in a second. I know I've been talking for a minute, Corey, but the, the Panthers come out in two by two back, back away. Uh, so it's, it's three man to the, to the short side of the field. The Browns only have 10 guys on the field. They, you can see John Johnson on the opposite outside, the opposite hash at safety, waving to get Denzel to come on the field in the slot. And in that confusion, Grant Delpit never gets a, a check to make sure what, and I'm not blaming John because it seemed like everybody was playing their quarters poach stuff with a one-on-one backside corner and Grant's supposed to be up the hash, but he never gets it. They, they, like JOK and Grant let him run, let Ian Thomas run right between them. John is clearly confused as to where the, there's nobody in the middle of the field because I think he thinks it's quarters and it's a catch and run for 50 yards. And that's the only big throw he made in the first half. That's a bust. They should have called a timeout held right until the snap. They barely even got the 11th guy on the field. Then the other one, uh, you know, there's three, there's four plays that stand out. This was a great defensive game, Corey, but four plays stood out. That was one. The 75 yard touchdown is the next it's, it's, it's quarters three by one. You get a, you get a post by number one outside, you get a sail route by number two and you get a flat route by number three. It's supposed to be passed off in palms. If they push, if number one and number two, both push vertical from what I gather from smart people and how I understand quarters, if number two pushes vertical to 10, he is taking it. The safety is taking it. He's not passing it off. Now they could, I am here to tell you, I do not have confirmation. I do not talk to the Browns coaching staff. I do not know with 1 million percent certainty that they have coached it, taught it this way. But the thing that's tough in quarters is if you get two guys vertical, the safety has to eventually commit to that guy at a certain depth where I have to take two vertical. One and two are both vertical. You got outside, I got inside. I'm taking it. We're not passing it because they're both vertical. That's how it's taught normally. Now, again, the Browns could have some checks that if at 10 he disappears, I trade it off with the corner but it's hard at that point in that depth. So to me, John is no hesitation drives on the sale route. And then it should be a corner over the top running with that post route from Robbie Anderson. He's playing at depth. It's not like he can't run with him. He just hesitates sitting on the sale route and it's an eye. It's a wide open touchdown. Everybody sees Grant Delp at the backside safety. He has nothing to do with it. He's looking at the nub tight end on the backside to make sure he doesn't come up his void because it's a two, it's a, it's a three by one. Look, he's technically looking up number three, to the field side, but when three disappears to the flat, he gets eyes backside to make sure nothing cracks inside. It's not his fault. It's either John or Grant. 
Grant, uh, sorry, John or Greg. Now those two, the difficulty for Greg is that Greg is playing slot and outside. So when they went base and this formation, this series was a 12 personnel base look from the Browns. So they got two tight ends from the Panthers. They came out with three linebackers that put, that puts Greg Newsom outside and instead of in the slot. So that's, that's the difficulty of in and out. you got to make sure you know every check everywhere you're supposed to be all the time. I feel like we'll see what pro football does because uh, pro football focus sometimes will talk to the Browns coaching staff. I know last year there was a situation where I don't know if you remember this, Corey, do you remember the, the throw Mayfield made against the, the Ravens where they ran that what's called a squirrel route and it's an out and up comeback and Mayfield left it inside and it's supposed to be thrown outside and it got intercepted, but Jarvis was like sitting outside waiting on it, but it was thrown inside and people tried to argue with me on it. And eventually pro football focus, a couple of people I talked to there were arguing with me about it. I'm like, no, that ball is an outside throw. This is a very well-documented throw. They talked to Alex Van Pelt and confirmed it was on the quarterback. So I don't know if they'll talk to the Brown staff because the Brown staff and some of the NFL staffs like to confirm to PFF who puts out grades who are publicly consumed and get an answer on this. But I think it's on Greg not running with the post after both players in that formation pushed to 10. He's got to commit to that post. And I see, I've seen the Browns cover it that way before. That's why I also think it was just a it was a weird, that's a weird miss, man. It's a weird miss. I mean, what is your opinion on both of those bus? Yeah, I mean, with the the one, the big one to Robbie Anderson, I mean <laughs> Carolina calls a cover four, cover four beater against cover four, you know? So like, I thought I give Ben McAdoo a lot of crap because I think Ben McAdoo de- deserves a lot of crap, but I, I think Ben McAdoo also made some, some decent adjustments, you know, calling yeah. a cover four beaters, you know, a sister concept uh, where a post and a flagger kind of crossing against cover four is deserves at least a little bit of recognition. And so that, that's just the, the it conflicts both the safety and the corner. And, and you would hope, you know, Greg's in his second year, you know, maybe third, fourth, fifth, hopefully next week. Uh, that That's something he'll know how to, to, to better respond to and slow down for him in the moment. But uh, that's what it does is just conflicts those safeties. Because again, you, you, you did say you match vertically at about eight to 10 yards. And, and that's when both those routes kind of break off is at eight to 10 yards. So, you yeah. know, corner and safety have to decide, are we, are we switching or are we, ma- are we matching here? So uh, one matched and one switched and one went free. So, I can't imagine, though, dude, that they have not repped that. There's no way. It's right. not that difficult to process. All it is is a wrinkle off a of flood, which is a high, medium, low flood, the portion of the field where they just run a post to it. It is a cover four beater. You're right. Well-documented cover four beater. But you have to have repped it. So that's why I'm pissed. And that's why I'm sure yeah. Joe is pissed and everyone's mad. And I'm willing to say a player botched that. That's fine. But the other one needed to be a timeout. When you don't have enough guys on the mm-hmm. field, you got to call a timeout. You cannot just run someone late and be out of place like that. I just think this. I think Joe Woods is fine. I have no problem with Joe Woods as a DC. But if your guys are continually over portions of a season busting coverages, you can be as mad at players as you want. You can blame them. You can Scott Frost the world where he blames everybody but himself. But eventually, rest in peace, Scott Frost, Nebraska, by the way. (laughs) Eventually, you are a reflection of what your players can do, right? You can be the smartest defensive mind or offensive mind in the world, but if you can't get your players to understand the things in your brain, it's never going to work out for you. This is year three of the Browns defense. And I'm talking Greg's been here for now his second year. Uh, This is John Johnson's second year. Grant Delpit's second year of active playing. This is not new. 
they play quarters more than any team in the NFL. The, the, McAdoo can know that all he wants. He can call cover board four beaters to death. But in the postgame presser, Stefanski didn't comment on who's to blame, but he says we had a call in place that should not allow that to happen. It can't happen. And it's happened to it's too, it's way too often. It's way too frequent with this group where I have to text John Stephenson or I have to text another friend of mine who's a DC about it. Like it just can't happen. It's not, it's happening too frequently. So either what you're teaching is too complex and your guys aren't getting it, or it's on it's on you, man. Like it's on you ultimately. You can blame these guys all you want, but they bust coverage way too often. Way too often. So that's something that has to get rectified, man. Uh, we've kind of addressed both of those busts. The other two plays I was talking what's, about are the What's four. bizarre, though, if, if I can cut off real fast. What's yeah, bizarre, yeah. though, is like watching the last seven games of the 2021 season, the secondary is flying around and strapping people and making plays, and it seems like they're no patient. They're communicating they are. really well. So what? And then this summer, John Johnson is just going on and on and on about team team you know team morale, and we're communicating. We're, we're jiving better than we ever have before. And then week one comes and it's like, do you guys relapse to weeks one through six of the 2021 season where, you know, back then John Johnson, Greg Newsom, Grant Delpit, who had never played a single game up to that point because of the Achilles, were all new to the secondary. It's like, okay, yep. you know, we can give them a little bit, but it, it's not. Every single piece of that secondary is brought back from last year, which Martin Emerson, sure, whatever. He played, he played quite a few snaps, but like your veteran leadership, your core is back. So what, there, there's no excuse this time around. There's no excuse. There, there, there isn't. And in like, Again, I can, I'm a person who totally will go, yeah, man, players been told that a million times. They got to do it. I'm with it. I've been doing that for Joe for a long time. I'm patient with coaches way more than the general public, but this is getting to the point where either you can't get, you're not getting through with what you're teaching or you're not doing a good job of getting it relayed onto the field because I, I see far too often. And there was some of this on offense today, but far too often they're not aligned where they need to be the right people aren't on the field the call gets missed and they talked about this a lot last year and i'm sure in this week this press conferences they have this week they'll talk about it again but this is a problem man you can have 55 good snaps of defense but if four of them are bad you're giving up 28 points that's how it goes and that's a loss that's why you can't have this stuff this unnecessary stuff and i put a tweet out the only way baker mayfield was going to beat you in this game is if you gave him clean throws. And listen, Mayfield, he he's got to make the throws, right? He's got to step. He's getting bull rushed on the on the Robbie Anderson bomb throw. He has to step left and get the hips turned, and he made the throw. That's fine. Good ball. Ian Thomas saw it, ripped it in stride. Good ball. Cool. Those aren't tough throws, though. Make quarterbacks make them think. Make them make tough throws. I can stomach a quarterback who can put it in a window, and it's like, man, they just beat us. They just that that wide receiver went up and made a play over the top of us. I cannot stomach giving quarterbacks easy throws. The other two plays I'm referencing, the Mayfield scramble touchdown from seven yards out, I think, where they run a, they run a twist game up front. They cover it beautifully. Nothing's open, but they run a twist game up front, and people lose focus on the quarterback, and don't, they fail to get out and maintain closing the middle. That's the run. Anytime you run an ETX stunt or you know a DT twist, uh, d- defensive end. Uh, what I mean is the the tackles and ends are sw- they're swapping. One's driving out, one's going in, or one's going out and one's going under. If you do that, you can get pinned. And if you don't have anyone left for the quarterback, it's an easy touchdown. That can't happen. You cannot let May- that's Mayfield's shown that propensity. He'll run up the middle. If you give him a chance to run up vertically in a pot, just bull rush people into his lap. He doesn't like it. 
they did that for the most part, but they got flirty with that one. That cost them. And then the other one, which I'm not really blaming them. You talked about McAdoo making some nice adjustments. Thought they did a nice job. They called that screen. I think it was uh, a third down, maybe a third down. I think it was a third down on that final Panthers drive. They call a field blitz. They bring two for, to the field, and they drop out Clowney uh, in the boundary. They take him out, wheel him out. So they brought two, overloaded that quarterback's left side, and they wheeled Clowney out to the boundary, and they threw a screen boundary into the boundary to McCaffrey, and it was an easy pitch and catch. I mean, it's 26, 21-yard gain, actually, I think is what it ended up being. So, you know, those four plays are all the Panthers had. If you take those four plays out, Mayfield throws for like 75 yards, 70 yards, maybe less. Like, mm-hmm. they accounted for 75% of it. And it's like, I would just like, if you, what I mean by that, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Baker Mayfield. I hope he finds success and happiness and all the beautiful things the world has to offer. But you have to make him make difficult throws. He'll beat you if you just bust coverage. He'll find it. And there's credit to that. He didn't really have to move through progressions to find either of these busts. They were right in front of his face. But like, that's my point. They, you can't do that. And the Browns got lucky to win this game with a long kick, but that shouldn't have been. I mean, you and I were on the show together. You had just joined. It's 23-14. You're like, all right, two-score game. This is right where you want to be. Boom, one play, 75-yard touchdown with six minutes left. Changed everything. Changed everything. So, you know, we'll, we'll wrap on Baker. I thought it was a C-minus, D-plus game. Putting the ball on the ground. Knockdown passes. Inaccurate for large portions of it. A couple throws save him when the Browns bust coverage. And again, you got to make the throws. You got to, I get it. Not a good game, man. He's not a good game, and I don't think he's going to have a very good season. I'll give you the 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 the, the, the floor here. I just it, it was the full Baker Mayfield experience. You got all the things he does, all the misreads, all the miss throws, but then he'll hit some open deep throws if you give them to him. It was the full Mayfield experience, and I think people who are huge Mayfield supporters are like, he played really well. He, he rebounded and played well. Four, you know, two fumbles from under center, four knockdown passes, sixteen of twenty-seven where he gets bailed out by some blunders by the defense like i'm just i don't i didn't see it man it was the same old guy the reason the browns moved on yeah for the most part i thought he was seeing ghosts of the game he wasn't adjusting well to pressure uh he wasn't adjusting well to rotating safeties uh i i i think i saw very early in in the game do you remember the 2020 season when he like the first drive of the game against the ravens where he threw a pick it might have been the first play of the game first throw of the game because Clayus Campbell rotated from his defensive tackle spot and he didn't see it, I almost swore I saw the Browns do that like very early in the game uh, to him as well. But yeah, I, he's he, he's not seeing it. I think he, what he sees pre-snap is like what he's what he's got. It's what he's got. Uh, and anything that rotates post-snap or anything any action that happens post-snap is is not something that he has the temperament to to adjust to. I mean, the feet were were the same as they were last week. His his propensity to to bail as soon as he feels a fly flying towards him was was about the same. So, yeah, I'm I'm kind of there with you. You know, I I, I still think he could find success somewhere. You know, teams like New Orleans, teams like Tampa Bay, like they sniffed yeah. around him for for a reason. Like teams still love this dude. They still think there's something there. But I do think he's probably. I mean, Matt Matt Rule's not going to survive this year. That's that that regime's not going to survive this year. So I think he's going to be somewhere else in, in 2023, 2023 now yep. uh, than he is this year. And, you know, maybe that is a rehab stint in Tampa Bay. Maybe that is a rehab stint behind a veteran somewhere else before he, you know, he pulls a Mitch, Mitch Trubisky and just goes and sits behind somebody before coming back out. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It, it's he definitely is not who he shoulder. is. 
It's he not is who shoulder. he is. Yeah, man. Like, this is who he is. And that's fine. Some teams like that. And if you're a staunch Baker supporter and you see yourself in Baker Mayfield and you're this guy, like, he's he embodies what I embody. And I, cool. That's fine. He is who he is. He'll throw 20 touchdowns and 14 interceptions this year. He'll throw for 3,700 yards. I A team wanting better than that, it's pretty easy to understand. So, um, that's the collective defense talk. We talked about Mayfield. I'm closing the book. I am done talking about him for a while, a long while. I don't talk about him. I really don't. Browns don't play the Panthers now for another four years, I think, or something like that, or who will see where he ends up next year, or if he's still with Carolina or whatever. But like, there's no need to have discourse on it anymore. So we closed it today. He played a D plus C minus game. He outplayed Jacoby for the most part, uh, I guess. I, I don't know. They were about the same, in my opinion. Jacoby missed some throws. He didn't turn it over. That's a difference. Like, you know, I don't know this, but that's the barometer. People argue with me about, well, y'all play Jacoby. And went, okay, that's cool. Well, good job. Yeah, the Browns didn't, good. didn't bring Jacoby Brissett in to be better than Baker Mayfield. They just wanted him to be a respectable dude until the guy they traded for is back. Like, congrats, man. If, if, if Brissett's the barometer, everybody in the world knows a healthy Baker Mayfield is better than Jacoby Brissett. G- kudos to you. I hope that makes you happy. So anyway, um, you know, Mayfield recovered better second half, but Browns made it pretty simple for him. So anyway, uh, moving on and we will take one quick break and then we're going to talk about the offense and then we'll hit on some extra points afterward uh, after we talk about the offense where we highlight some players we thought played pretty well so um yeah we'll be right back one more quick break and a word from some blue wire sponsors it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, the offense goes for 355. Run game was great, Corey. I, I thought the pin pull stuff was phenomenal. They ran laterally really well. Postage was moving well. Uh, I liked some of the variety there. They didn't run a ton of like tight zone, but they were a wide zone effective team again. Mixed in the pin pull, a little bit of power, not much power counter. I think they wanted to run to the edges with pin down stuff quickly. So, I mean, you run for 217, uh, the two running backs essentially combining for 187 on 33 carries. That is exactly who they need to be in these 11 games. And I, I was I was impressed with the run game as a whole. We'll see what the grades look like. But I, I thought that overall, I didn't see anybody play poorly. I think White Teller had one hold where I thought he got a little sloppy. But for the most part, they dominated the, the trenches in, in both phases, I, I thought, uh, in this one. Did you agree? Yeah, I thought so too. I'm excited to go back and watch the end zone angle of all 22 and just see... Uh, particularly I want to watch Wills and, and Hudson, the two young mm-hmm. tackles, because I mean, I, I think the Browns and I, maybe not it's super set in stone, but like, I think the Browns have, have confidence in James Hudson moving forward. So yeah. How can those two young dudes continue to grow? And, and, and for the most part, I thought Wills was really good in pass pro. And I, again, yeah. I, I said earlier, I didn't hear Hudson's name at all. Um, and again, I didn't hear Ethan Posick's name at all either. So 
all of the things that, that were kind of question marks coming into the season, specifically Hudson and, and Posick, like uh, I didn't, I didn't hear anything. So um, again, it, it's a different story when you go back and watch the tape, but, but, but from where I sit today, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, I, they, I, I had no concerns with the offensive line play. Yeah. They gave up one sack on a free rusher that came through on a play action, a run action concept where I thought Jacoby needed to let it rip to Njoku up the seam with a little anticipation for his second cut in the route. And uh, it didn't take place, and it was a it was a sack that came from depth. It was like a very slow drawn out sack. But otherwise, I'll look at the pressure numbers, but I don't know what those will look like. But I think they'll be pretty good for the most part. Hudson had that one illegal uh, man downfield play. He mm-hmm. is kind of the opposite of Jed. Like I think he's significantly less talented than Jed, but he competes harder, and he lets this like nasty streak get the best of him sometimes, where he gets too aggressive. And if you watch that play, he's like finishing the block seven yards downfield on this guy. And it's like, Hey man, that's wide zone play action. You don't need to do that. Just, just hang out around the line of scrimmage, brother. We don't need you to do that. He's kind of got that over the time. And so that's okay. So you can make up for a lack of talent with, with try hard hustle finish at the tackle position sometimes. But uh, that was one I'm sure he'll get riffed on in film and he'll need to correct. But yeah, to your point, man, like I've thought coming into this year, Hudson had the potential potential, if he could kept taking steps forward and like I thought he did in his rookie year to, to be a guy they could really see as a viable right tackle option. And today was encouraging. So step in the right direction. Posage seemed fine. He moved well. He was out in front of some pin pull stuff in the way that Treader used to be. It was seemed fine, but I don't really know that there was anybody getting, is going to get credited with a sack. I actually think that pro football focus will put that one on the quarterback. So um, I think that's fitting. Otherwise uh, offensively, we, Reference a little bit of stuff. Like I thought DPJ is who he is. You and I have had so much discourse on this. He's not a separator. He's really not going to get much separation for his quarterback, but you can kind of get away with that in the NFL. If you can make difficult catches away from your frame, diving low, going up and getting the football or back shouldering it. He's that guy. We know by now he's not really going to run away from people and vertical concepts, but he can get the football caught in a variety of ways. He's not going to separate a ton in man to man stuff but he can make difficult catches. So there's a role for him. He can do fine. He had six for 60. He was good in this game. You catch the football on difficult catches and difficult locations, right, Corey? I think that can still be an effective player. He's not going to ever be dynamic because he doesn't separate the way we would love, but you can still be an effective NFL receiver if you can make those weird catches, and he, he was on display today. You can be a wide receiver, too, doing that. Yeah. And that was my big question coming into the season. Is Donovan Peoples-Jones a wide receiver, too, or is he a a niche vertical back shoulder kind of guy along the boundary and uh, again maybe I was a little too harsh on him this summer you know some of those training camp clips where they're like oh what a catch by DPJ where he's really not getting out of breaks but like hey if it's working in games and maybe that's that's just kind of who he is uh he's not twitched up he's he's not twitched up like he's he's just not gonna do that yeah exactly he's not gonna he's not gonna at the top of a route put the feet down real quick and get out of a cut and hit a double at the top of the route. That's going to make somebody really like just shift the weight and turn. And like, it's just not who he is, but to your point, And I think you're making a good point here too, is like, it'll look sloppy. Sometimes it can look sloppy though. If you can make tough catches, which today I continue to be that like, he has a keen knack for going down and getting footballs low. And that's, that's not a, that's not a light skill. Like being able to, to pick footballs below your waistline, is a really great skill to have. Like that's challenging, man. Yeah, it, it really is. It really is. And you know, I, I think again, we talked about the little Lamari Cooper stuff, but you know, as he continues to get comfortable, it really seems like Jacoby and, and Donovan have something, which is 
for for all the question marks the wide receiver room has is is a is a gigantic. It's almost like a sigh of relief, like oh, there is somebody else in this room who can make a mm-hmm. play. Um, mm-hmm. And so that that's that's what I feel most is like oh, like oh maybe maybe there is somebody else here who can step up other than Amari Cooper. So yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a question that wasn't answered all preseason, and again, guys didn't really play in the preseason, so True. you don't really get those answers. But it's like it, it was a good good little sigh of relief that maybe year three, like, Oh, maybe this is just his, his improvements really are linear and incremental. And maybe I, I counted him out a little bit too soon. We'll see. There's a long season. We'll see if he can continue this path, but it was encouraging today. I thought Cooper was good, created separation. There was a, a hold there on horn late in the game that it's like, man, uh, I felt like his corner route was pretty wide open. If they put that ball on him, we obviously know the DPI referenced earlier. He could have had a hundred yard day. Still Amari Cooper, still loses people. That, that's why Amari is Amari and why he's special and why he's been paid so much for so long. Is like losing people at the NFL level is the highest trait a wide receiver can have. Outside of catching it, you got to catch it. But being able to just lose people, he was fine. Mm-hmm. He was some stuff that you you referenced it on the stream too. Uh, he was just like beginning of the game seemed sort of lost. A couple times he didn't line up in the right side. So uh, they had to show him like Jacoby had to holler at him. Get him and then there was the delay of game penalty where he tried to go in motion simultaneous to somebody else moving. And Jacoby kind of had to reset it. And I'm surprised they didn't call flag earlier because I, I, but Brissett had to fix it. So that stuff needs to get cleaned up, but I was encouraged by Cooper. Otherwise like bell played 23 snaps um, and didn't get a target, but he was out there and they used him in a variety of ways to try to be what you and I thought, which is a big slot. Uh, a guy who can block a little bit. I don't know what the blocking looked like. There was one time they asked him to handle the backside end on a on a on a wide zone. It's like, whew, unless you're going at the knees, man, that's a tall task for a guy to handle like Brian Burns as a backside end. Right. Really it's just a tall task. But uh, we'll see if he gets more targets in the future. Schwartz, hey man, uh, there was a slant that people are going to say he dropped, but I thought that was good coverage. I thought that that it was a hard. It would have been a really difficult catch. Um, we should see what, I don't think they'll give him a drop on that. I thought the coverage was solid, but he did a great job on that little chip Kelly mesh where you settle over the middle of the field at about 15. And then he worked scramble drill with Jacoby and made a great catch for 19 yards at a pivotal, pivotal moment. So that's a positive from Schwartz, right? He caught a couple reverses, gained 20 yards. I would call that game a net positive for him. Would you He had three positive plays? Yeah. 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 He caught that, he caught that scramble drill too, where he got out of his route and worked towards the boundary towards percent. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Yeah. So, so was third down. Yeah. 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 I would say three, three positives for him is a very good start based on how uh, nervous we all were, but he got about 25 <laughs> snaps. He actually out snapped um, David Bell. So that's a little bit of a wrinkle. I don't think many of us thought was going to happen early in the year. The, the thing that's still strange to me, and I'm going to have to watch if David was open more, but there was one where on third down in the, in the red zone, uh, Jacoby looked to his right from an empty set and decided to go to the three-man side, but I thought the two-man side to his left, and if you rewatch it, the numbers were good, and he had David on a little seven-stick on third and 11, where I thought it was open, but he threw it to Brian on the right side. Should have been caught, could have made it a fourth-down decision. I think you noted he was probably going to go for it, but the ball was dropped. I just can't I, – I need this to get figured out. Like, why is he only getting one target to Brian's four? I like Harrison Bryant. I do not like him getting more tight. He's a less explosive player. I need, we got to figure out how to get David the football. They didn't run a tight end screen in this game, which was interesting. They didn't run many screens. They did run a well-timed third down screen right before half to get him three points in a long third down situation. They ran another one off of a fake reverse. They ran a little uh, fake run concept, fake reverse, and we're going to come back to the running back. They ran that play for a touchdown 
against Cincinnati in 2020 in Cincinnati. It was an, it was a touchdown they ran. They got they got out and Nick broke it for a long one, but uh, Carolina sniffed that one out. They didn't run a ton of screens though, and they didn't run their traditional tight end screen, so that eliminates a target here or there. But again, you paid him a lot of money. He cannot have one target games. You got to figure out some way to get him the football. He cannot be a glorified. And he blocked well, but he can't be a glorified blocker. He can't. So that needs to be fixed. Would you agree? I know you're a big and joke. Yeah, so I'm I would definitely talking right agree. into your wheelhouse. Here, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely agree. And especially looking at the ways that Njoku has thrived in, in recent years has been, you know, slot fades, seam shots. Uh, I hate goal line fades, but he's very good at them for, for what it's worth. Uh, and, and there it's week one, but there wasn't a seam. And you, you mentioned the seam shot. I think I saw another one on a third down uh, as well. Maybe I'd have to go back and, and look at the tape again, but yeah. it sounded like, sound like Hugh Jackson, but um, God, it's true sometimes. But yeah, but, but no, no slot fades. I would have loved to seen a slot fade. Like that's a dialed up shot that isn't going to cause Jacoby to go through many progressions. You see him, you see a mismatch and, and you take it. Uh, there aren't many linebackers going to jump with him and there aren't many nickels who have the size to, to compete with him at the catch point. So yeah. I, I don't know. We gotta watch it. You we'll just watch that guy a lot of money. I know yeah. that's my, my it's my big point. Like, we'll watch <laughs> the tape as we do here and try to figure out if there were some missed shots to him. I thought there were a few off the top of my head, but yeah, I can't. I cannot stomach any more one target in Joku games. It's not on David. I really don't think it is. I think they got to figure out how to get the quarterback's eyes to him, and then also putting him in situations where he can make make some plays. Like, give him some chances. Give him some faith. Let him have a shot. So he was backside though a lot. They were running that eleven personnel with him a, a kind of on a condensed backside solo look. Like, I hope they continue going to that, but from that look, I need him to get opportunities. So, yeah, anyway, they did run some wide receiver screens. I thought that was interesting. They did run a little bit of that. We should talk, too, about how all offseason we talked about, is it Schwartz, is it Felton, what are they going to do? I mean, they ran, I'm going to have to look at the data here, but I, they ran a ton of 21. They ran, they ran with two mm-hmm. in the backfield a lot, which is going to be, I think, a prominent Deshaun Watson formation using the creativity they can do with him from RPO stuff. But I was surprised that they pistoled it up and used Kareem as their gadget guy a lot, and they should. He's good enough to do it. Yes. He's effective at it. And um, I thought that was a, a fun wrinkle, that they got some successful plays out of that stuff when both those guys are on the field. I'd imagine they had maybe 10 plays of 21, I know that this, uh, unfortunately, most tracking software still lists Felton as a running back, which is a joke at this point. But, um, yeah, I'll have to check into how many times those guys were were both on the field. So that wraps offense. I mean, I thought, again, 38 minutes of ball control, 74 plays, 4.8 yards per on 74 plays, 217 rushing. That's what you want. You all, you know, you, you all went crazy. This run it, run it, run it. Well, they did. 35 times (laughs) you cannot get mad about Jacoby let me just say this you can get mad you can get mad I'm not telling you how to live your life your expectations if you were mad at Jacoby Brissett today your expectations were off like this is who he is he doesn't see things come open very often he's a see it throw it quarterback but he doesn't turn it over he'll do some sneaky good things for you he'll make some mistakes but he does some sneaky good things for you he's just not going to win you games he's a win with to the extreme win with type like he's he still is sometimes not good enough to win with and today would have been an example like but this is who he is so if you're spending all your time complaining about Jacoby Brissett you're like have misguided expectations we the Browns knew this was going to be the outcome with him they knew he wasn't going to be great you can go hey they should have got Garoppolo they didn't want to give up assets for that 
They 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 knew this is they're going to have to overcome it. He'll have good games, better games than this. He made some gutty throws though. He made some big mm-hmm. final drive throws. He deserves credit for that. So this is who he is though. This is largely what you're going to get. They're not going to have an effective passing offense until they get the quarterback back that they paid two hundred thirty million dollars to. Like that's just the way it's going to be for a while. They're trying to get to five wins and give themselves a chance late in the season. The Pittsburgh loss, or sorry, the Pittsburgh win very much helps with the Cincinnati situation down the line. They could look back at that and that matters because Pittsburgh's not going anywhere. A bunch of injuries today and they're just, their offense is anemic. So they're not going anywhere. So like, again, to my larger point, I'm just saying like, stop complaining about Jacoby Brissett. He is who he is. And if you can't accept that, then you're going to get mad at it. That's fine. But Kevin's scheming people open. They'll, they'll, they'll make some of those throws. They'll be fine. They won't win some games that you want them to win, and they'll win a game here or there that you don't expect them to win because they find some ways to make some plays. But this is how it's largely going to be, uh, and, and I just think we should stop freaking out. Well, Jacoby Brissett's terrible. Yeah, I get it, man. He's extremely limited, but can he do enough to get you in a position to win? And he did that today, and they called the game the way you've all been clamoring for, me included, riding the running backs like crazy, right? They didn't get cute. They didn't do anything unnecessary, in my opinion. So pretty good. Pretty good overall. We had some extra point topics, but man, I feel like we talked about a lot of them. We two, did talk two, about a lot. <laughs> yeah, two, um, two little things here. Uh, I thought Walker, and we'll watch JOK too, but I thought the linebackers played fine. I think you and I agree on that, mm-hmm. that they played fine. Jacob Phillips continues to yeah. frustrate, man. Just overrunning plays, <laughs> and like I just don't know. I've thought, I think we were hopeful that there was something more there, but it might just be a one-contract guy here in Cleveland and they're going to have to continue to search for another Mike down the line. Um, and then the DTs, which was largely Taven Bryant and Jordan Elliott. I thought they were respectable. They were fine. Taven Bryant, that, that roughing the passer call was far more egregious than the one late by Brian Burns I, with the helmet. I just don't know what he's supposed to do. What? How can like, you expect a 300 pound guy to shift his weight mid lunch? Like how? It's what? ridiculous. Yeah, man. <laughs> he had a, a bull rush too. I thought they were fine. Togi, I had that nice rep to get the sack too. So like, Minimal defensive line rotation because there were only 50 plays, and I think everybody was pretty fresh on that side of the ball. But I, I thought they were good, good enough. And, and Taven had some juice. I think he, he'll be interested to see what it looks like collectively for them. The other thing was the fake spike. We'll kind of close on this. Carolina, <laughs> Matt Rule even talked about like getting jobbed on that one. And it's like, okay, two things. If you're watching, you go back and watch the tape. The Jacoby roughing the passer, which it was a helmet hit, so it could have been called targeting. It was a crown of the helmet that hit his uh, upper jaw. Uh, but if you watch it, I don't know which Panther it is. It was a single digit number, but when Jacoby gets hit, the ball lands short and it ball bounces like twice in the line. And you can see that the ball's just bouncing and, and the, the, this defender for Carolina just like delivers this huge hit into DPJ's back. Like I thought it was like bluntly obvious, unnecessary roughness. Like it was a terrible hit, like into his back that knocks him down. I'm like, really? That ball bounce was, it was clearly obvious. It was not caught or a play was being made on it. DPJ is just standing there. So that one's like, it should have been eye for an eye. Like if you, if you take that away, the other thing they're complaining about is this air quotes, fake spike that like, I think when you watch it, I've watched it like seven times. I'm going to watch on the all 22 angle. I don't know if you noticed anything on it, Corey, but like he almost bobbled the ball. Like he was coming out from under center and tried to like get a grip on it to spike it, but he bobbled it. And it looks like a fake spike, but it's not because nobody runs a route other than to the wide side of the field outside. Anthony Schwartz runs like a speed out for some reason. None of the other three receiving potential receiving targets on the field even move. They stand there. So the rule is you can't 
fake a spike and then and then uh, make a, a move for any sort of it can't be a trying to gain an advantage and then spike it again that would be flagged and the Browns would have lost 10 yards in like 10 seconds it would have been a 68 yard kick and had three seconds on the clock and they threw the flag but all he did was bobble it he just bobbles he never looks shorts way to the wide side there's not like there was anything going on there he just bobbled it and threw it down I Panthers were throwing a fit about it and apparently some people thought it was a missed call. I don't know. I don't know how you think that's a missed call. He doesn't really, how, if he's fake spiking it, someone's running a fade uh, or something, right? Like you're trying to throw it over the top of stale defenders. There was none of that. So it was really weird, man. Did you notice it? Uh, I didn't. Uh, I mean, I noticed the, the, like the commotion live, but I, I didn't hear Matt rule post game say anything about it. Or I, I've been up to date on all of that, but, but yeah, it's just very odd. And, and I, the only thing that I keep thinking about is like, man, if that would again, gotten cold that's the most clear bronze way to lose a football game so i'm just happy you know for once for once a, a late game call didn't didn't go against the browns i'm with it it was nice I'll, I'll leave it to you man any closing remarks for this one as we wrap up uh i think you hit on everything man like again you mentioned anthony walker Taven brian those guys I, I, i'm broadcast again like brian got some real push brian got some yeah. real push um and all they really want him to do is shoot gaps. And he, I thought he did it and get into the chest of the man across from him. I thought he did it at a high level. So uh, it's one and oh, man. And, and now you, you go into New York where you got Joe Flacco, who's a shell of himself. And and you're talking about uh, a rookie fourth rounder at right tackle and a journeyman vet who's never been good anywhere he's been playing tackle. So I, I think this is definitely another, another game where the Browns can go in uh, and win. Another game where the Browns can go in and kind of control the game again defensively. So again... Yeah. No, I mean, I think the receivers are, are probably on par with, with Carolina's as well. So, like, don't blow a coverage and you're probably in control. And that's what's so frustrating about this Panthers game is you, you talked about time of possession, the amount of offensive plays run. Like, it is extremely demoralizing when you have a scoring drive and then give up a play, like a one-drive play. Like, yep. I just can't do that. So, I, I feel good about next week, too. You know, starting 2-0 and would be something given the, the, the quarterback situation and the, the circumstances surrounding the first, you know, the next 10 games. But... I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic. And I mean, again, we were talking about two plays, so clean that up and we're talking about a much different football game. Yeah, I, th- I think you should be optimistic, man. I, I, at this point, they have had four winnable games here at the start. Now Atlanta overplayed uh, their situation a little bit and Pittsburgh, uh, who they also play, is has got the fortunate break of five turnovers and like seven or eight sacks in that Cincinnati game, including one fumble in the overtime by Burrow. Like, that's what it took for them to win. Uh, so yeah, these are games that three and one we've talked about. It's the minimum in these first four. And I, there's a path to four and oh here. It really is. So clean up those things, man. Please though, please stop busting coverages. Yeah. Figure it the F out because it can't happen. That's the only reason Carolina sniffed being competitive in this game. So figure it out. Otherwise we should be optimistic. Seems like the injury uh, situation was good today. Didn't hear anything serious. Jack Conklin's getting close, not quite ready. See if Dearness Johnson keeps being a game day scratch. I was pretty surprised by that. But again, it can can only carry so many running backs and a 46 day uh, game day active roster gets tight. So it's not overwhelmingly surprising, but I was a little tinge surprised by that. We'll see what shakes out. He could start for other teams in the league, but otherwise, Corey, man, listen, fun, fun episode, opening win. Uh, Everybody should be feeling pretty damn good. So I appreciate you hanging out with me. Want to know. One and oh, man. One and oh. It feels good. It's nice, different, unique. And after, again, after a long off season of uh, just uh, wherever you stand on that, it's your prerogative, but it's just been a long off season. So 
it's nice to start one and oh and feel good for a change that's a wrap for today's episode again monday rewind on the twitch channel tonight for your viewing consumption i'll have chalk talk up with kyle murphy and john stephenson tuesday night a bevy of great articles will be up on the obr explaining everything that happened in the game including Corey's four downs and many other things such as my coverage breakdown stuff too so check all that out thanks for hanging out with us today giving me some of your time enjoy your victory monday talk trash to people who are fans of other teams and have been have been belittling you forever have fun with it you enjoy uh, a victory monday you deserve it i think browns fans needed it so uh, again thanks guys for hanging out have a great monday and go browns